This episode is brought to you in partnership with Meals Without Meat. Meals Without Meat believes that plant-based is the most fulfilling way to eat and live. They exist to serve as a central hub for all of your vegan needs. They aim to help you feed yourself physically by using their tried and verified recipes and mentally by growing in knowledge about this journey. Follow them on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash mealswithoutmeat. Show. It's only good vibes. Talking about music from Beyonce to tribe. In the world where it's always politicking. Run, why your boy Kanye be tripping? I don't know, so we put it on the shelf. Listen to Conrad when he brings up mental health. Is Michael Jackson really the king of pop? There's no debate if you ask, be shocked. Conversation so tight, it be gripping you. We love getting suggestions from our listeners. Do something foolish, try and run if you can. All you're gonna do is end up a victim of Who's Man's. Welcome to another week of Who's Man's podcast. We hope you enjoy it. What up, though, everyone? Welcome to the Who's Man's podcast. I'm your, aka Mr. Taylor Mate. In the building with me, I got my man's Conrad. What's good, my people? Welcome to another episode of. Whose man's is this? Episode sixty nine. Get out, get your head out the gutter, you nasty freaky freaks. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Just after that, go ahead. T- tell who's here with that little. Uh-huh. Hey, I might still be ugly. Might be a little poor. I'm damn sure black. But guess what? Kanye's still stupid. All right, okay. keep it moving. All right. Wow. wow. Okay. Rude. <laughs> Unnecessary. <laughs> All right. So we got another special guest with us in the building tonight. Definitely a friend of the podcast. Just before, go ahead and welcome Austin to the podcast. He's back with us. Our DJ our producer. at the beginning of every episode. Hey, hey, what's good with it, though? <laughs> unlike, unlike Darnold and Cammy, I'm actually the favorite guest on the show. So. <laughs> Any, anybody else that try to claim that title, y'all gonna have to don't at me at God as as Brian Shockley would say. That's right. So, hey. but if y'all wanna at me, it's gonna be some problems. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, you are you come to your what is going on? It's like Austin has come to play. Okay? Listen, I don't know what's about to happen this episode? I don't. I don't, I don't appreciate Darnold disrespecting my boy Conrad a couple weeks ago. So. Hey, you wow. know that's right. Really ain't shit. He not. Oh, he start not. off the episode. Like <laughs> started that. off okay. just like that. He ain't got to wait to the end of the episode. No, he can get he can get the smoke <laughs> from the, the start. Yeah, but I ain't got no beef with Cammy though, cause I don't want to like. No, no, you don't, don't want that smoke. smoke. Nah. I, don't, I don't want that smoke. <laughs> nah. I ain't trying to get. I ain't trying to get my black. I ain't trying to get my black card revoked. So <laughs> I'm cool with Cammy. <laughs> Hey, technically, uh, uh, doesn't Austin have the most recorded episodes with us? I know they weren't all released for whatever reason. But uh, y'all might hear the most because this is third. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think Tori has like. Yeah, third time around. Tori Tori has three, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think y'all tied for the most. Y'all both got three. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So if y'all listening, y'all might hear like a new beat or something somewhere in there because that's the only reason they bring me on this podcast. <laughs> hey, <so. y'all>, look, <laughs> we, were, we started off with a good foot, you know? We were, we, were, we were just chilling. I had to say yeah. all that. 
we were gonna have a good time. I'm just playing. <laughs> hey, I'm happy to be here. Thank, thanks for having me on again, fellas. <laughs> the best. Oh man. All right. So all the smoke and all drama aside, how y'all doing? Kind of what you got to. Doing well, man. Good weekend. Um, I'm back home to uh, Niles, Michigan, for my childhood friend's uh, wedding. So it was a nice little reunion. Um, besides that, it was just good to be home for a little bit. It's cold over there, um, so I wasn't really prepared for that. But other than that, it was it was cheap, chill, man. The ride home, I had to drive back to Richmond with uh, a. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, it was a good weekend, man. How about you? Well, actually, no, let's go straight to Brian because I want to know how your night went Saturday okay. after that after that FaceTime. Wow. With uh, the A shit boy Darnold. Here we go. Um, hey, first of all, I want to drop two of Clues bombs. If you don't watch the Breakfast Club, you don't know what that means, but. Two of Clues bombs for some people I love. One, our boy Jared, uh, who probably will never be on the podcast. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he graduated this weekend from UNC hey. uh, Chapel Hill Ooh. with his MBA. Um, hey. If you know Jared, he did not say anything positive about himself <laughs> this weekend or his accomplishment. So, uh, nope. everybody else has to say it about him, but I can speak for everybody when we say we're so proud of him and, and so inspired by him and uh, look forward to seeing what he does uh, after this because we know he's not done. Uh, so, that's one. And then shout out to my cousins for coming to visit me this weekend, okay? So, they're a married couple. So, you know, uh, Austin and Conrad, future Austin. Our future rock. Wait, future. What? Come on. Bro. <laughs> the, 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 the three guys on here who will all be married soon. Um, it was dope. Like spending time with a married couple and just watching them interact. And they treated me all well. I had a home cooked meal every night. I was like, whoa. Like, do y'all have to leave? And then they left me today. So um, it was sad. But yeah, that was my weekend. Uh, as far as that FaceTime, let's you know, it happens. <laughs> Stuff be happening. Hey, I just I just <laughs> want to know because I FaceTimed these dudes at around one o'clock, one thirty in the morning. So it was Michigan like time. Michigan yeah. time. So it was like yeah, twelve thirty. And Brian's like, my cousins just got here, so he gets the cousins, and I'm, you know. And the next thing I know, they get in, and and first thing, of course, Brian says, like, all right, so y'all want to start drinking? And he just starts I mean, pouring. <laughs> he just starts pouring. It was he my just cousin's birthday. Pouring. What are you what Just starts pouring. And I was like, hey, man, Arnold, be safe, because this is going to be a late night. Oh, no, he left right after that. And I've yet to see Donald again, so I don't even know if he's okay. Because you probably uh, killed him. <laughs> he left. He left before everything started. So <laughs> me and Darnold well, probably not friends no more. So let's <laughs> just move on from that. <laughs> what about you, Ron? Uh see my weekend was definitely a lot more chill than yours. So came so she came down to see you first time. She's she's been down in Texas a couple times now, but it's the first time coming down since she moved to Austin. So I showed her around, got a chance to hang out with her, you know, just catch up and just 
hang out with the mom. So it was a good, it was a good weekend overall. I definitely missed her. Glad she got a chance to come through. And it was it was a good time. You know, nothing I can really say too exciting, you know, it's, but you know, it's never never a bad time when you're hanging out with the moms. Mm. What about you, Austin? What you met to? Man, I had a great weekend, man. It was a uh, very eventful. We went to uh Milwaukee. We left Friday, went to Milwaukee for Halloween and uh went out Friday, Saturday night. I don't know if y'all saw the costume, y'all might have to post it on the oh, page. But uh <laughs> but our, our group went at Scooby Doo. And uh, everybody was a little confused. So I was Fred uh, from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and Don was... Oh, we know you were Don, That wig? Don was Daphne. So so we get a text from my mom that said, who are y'all supposed to be? Ike and Tina Turner. Oh, wait. And then... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then my brother, my brother sends me a picture of Mary J. Blige and said, I look like her with the blonde shortcut. And then in our group chat, all y'all said, I look like uh, when Dave Chappelle played that white anchor on his TV show. <laughs> so That one was actually... Yeah. <laughs> That was like, probably the closest one out of all the ones you got. <laughs> yeah, but it was cool though, man. Um, you know, we just Milwaukee is actually pretty dope. Hit some night, did uh some bar crawls uh Friday and Saturday night, hit a dope reggae club, man. It was a live band there. I felt like Conrad for a second. <laughs> and uh <Wow. laughs> we did... okay and then uh... we, uh, did... we did we did a haunted house i'm surprised i made it out of there alive and then man so you Saturday... went to a haunted house you also yeah bro went to a it's funny house. yeah it was pretty fun I, we we all got to go to a haunted house together actually oh right my there, god that would be hilarious oh, austin are you jumpy I, like at, initially, and then I start talking to the people that's supposed to be scaring you. Like oh, it was, it was at no. one, it was at one point we went through some uh, some house, and the lady was like, "Would you love to eat some arms?" I was like, "No, nah, I'm vegan. Do y'all got something else I can eat?" <laughs> and the lady was like, "And the lady, she was like, well, you can go out and pick some grass.'" And I was like, "I'm glad you ended up with grass and not cotton, because uh, I would have filed a lawsuit." Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 against I like, sir, I'm high in this costume. Can you just keep going? <laughs> right. And, and then so we uh so we were, like I said, Milwaukee uh Friday and Saturday, woke up at like five AM Sunday morning and uh drove to Detroit. My uh boss from my previous job, he had some uh some sweet tickets to the Lions game for us. And so he was like, Austin, you trying to come through? Flex. I was like, <sighs> Yeah, Flex. 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 yeah. So, hey, Conrad, I got you beat on the free stuff now, bro. Uh, all right, all right. So, the keeps going. Yeah, yeah. So we went to the Lions game Sunday, watched Matt Stafford throw interceptions, all that good stuff. But he's it was really a, good at that. Yeah, it was a good weekend, man. Hung out with friends, Facetimed a bunch of people. I know we Facetimed Conrad and Brian, Ron. Sorry, we didn't Facetime you, but we got you. We even Facetimed Evan. But we got you, Ron. Wow. <laughs> we got you, Ron. We Ouch. got you. You know what? I ain't yeah. even tripping. Ron probably wouldn't have answered anyway. That's true. Right. <laughs> That's why I ain't tripping. Exactly. But it was a good weekend, man. We had a good time with friends and all that good stuff. So no, no complaints at all. That's what's up. Dope sauce.
Definitely glad everyone had a great weekend this past weekend. Sounds like we all had fun in our own unique way. Oh, yeah. That's oh, dope. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and get down to business tonight. First off, we continue on the legacy from Murder, Inc. And out here getting embarrassed again with their concerts. At this point, I feel like that whole label needs to just stop doing shows for a little bit, <laughs> on a little bit of hiatus. So, y'all heard about this mess going on with 50 Cent buying all them tickets to our own show? Wait, are they really they say still he bought- a label? Murder Inc. I'm not even sure, but like, who else would they? <laughs> they oh, okay. Wow, I thought we agreed last week to be nicer. <laughs> we gonna clap back. No, we gonna clap back. No, we never said that. <laughs> well, we failed as soon as we started. <laughs> right. All right. Barely got through the intro. Maybe y'all can help me out. What started the 50 Cent Jar Root beef? Ooh, what started it from the jump? I don't remember what was the very first thing. Oh, I remember. It was just Ja Rule being Ja Rule. Like, if you remember when 50 Cent came out, believe it or not, Ja Rule was the biggest artist out there. And believe it or not, Murder Inc. was the biggest label out. And 50 what a time. just went for the head guy. <laughs> Isn't that like jail mentality? Like you go for the head guy, take him out. I don't ever want to know that for real, but... <laughs> I just yeah, pretty much. So I remember, like, yeah, Fifty just went after him, and it got to the point where I think Ja was ignoring him for the longest, and by the time he he reacted, I mean, Fifty so petty, it it was it was way too late, and everybody had to come to terms with the fact that you know <laughs> we've been listening to Ja Rule sing for years, and <laughs> he wasn't a real rapper. <laughs> <laughs> made everybody believe. That's petty. He bought them tickets, though. I wonder if, like, what if he went? Like, him, Young Buck, uh, Game, (laughs) all those dudes. Just chilling in the front row. Sat there through popcorn or something. Right. (laughs) Or was on their phone. No, no, like. (laughs) That'd be hilarious. But, like, how much, how rich you got to be to waste money on 200 empty tickets? So, all right. So, here's the thing. Was it truly a waste of money? Because those 200 tickets equated to, I think they said it was, like, $3,000, which that was not an expensive ticket to begin with, in my opinion. Well, it's Ja Rule, 2018. Yeah. That's all you kind of overpaid. Fifty overpaid. Your priorities ain't right. <laughs> Fifty help him, bro. <laughs> so that's to sell some. Like shit, I wasn't about to sell those tickets. So that's that's fifteen bucks a ticket, dog. Uh, Jar- <laughs> Jaru concert cheaper than the movies, man. Uh, <laughs> Jaru easy to see in Black Panther. All right, so Jaru won't be on the show now. We got a Shanti off the show, and now Jaru. But here's why I wonder if it was actually a smart move though, because if I'm at a concert and there's like 12 year olds in front of me, oh, shit. I'm just gonna move up. We in there. We out here. We in there. Second song. Hell, they ain't coming. <laughs> like, but it works though. Have y'all ever moved up and like had to move? <laughs> like, they come. And you be looking at that with that booby face, like, oh, this E? Oh, this is y'all's E. Not, oh, I thought this was J. I'm sorry. Right. The lights. Who, bad. Let me go back. Who is that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
Cedric the Entertainer on the Kings of Comedy, four and five, four and five, them are seats. I wish I wish about being our seat. Being our seat. Like, man, just get to the show on time. He could. He really could. Hey, they should be my seats if you're late. Like, I don't appreciate that. But the thing is, with 50, he probably was even more petty and put security all around them seats so no one could sit there. (laughs) He probably bought bought out more security just to put them all so no one could sit there. The thing is, though, like, 10 years, nah, people still gonna remember it. Because I was, I was gonna say, John Rooker say, I sold 200 tickets in less than five hours to my show. People wanna see me still. <laughs> but 50 Cent ain't gonna let that happen. He gonna remind yeah. everybody, you bought them 200 tickets. You know where to cut to your show? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good accent. That was a good accent. <laughs> We do to deserve all this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> you should it's just talk like 50 like... the whole episode, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm going to start slobbing off the side of my mouth if I do that. <laughs> hey, let me shut up if I end up on 50 Instagram, I'm about dog. to say, like, look, we ain't made it far enough for uh, him to, like, shut our thing down. Like, right, exactly. Sounds crazy. Hey, or but buy I... Our podcast. I got love for 50 because he shot a movie in my hometown, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I, lo- I got love for 50. Man, he thought he was getting an Oscar. Wait, Austin, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just do something that's for like, the city of Grand Rapids. Just roll through. <laughs> just, just roll through GR one time for the one time, and you good with me. Hey, Loki, funny story. I went out to eat one night when I was living in Grand Rapids, and 50 was at the restaurant with three other dudes. That's, uh, and that's what they were doing. They filmed like three movies. Yeah. Uh, like over a few months. Yeah. 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 50, 50 shows going to wrap us up. He know I'm from there. So. Okay. <laughs> be real nice. Be real nice. Okay. <laughs> but is, no. do you think Ja will reply? No, Wait, he hasn't for the. I guess he no. hasn't for the past like decade almost. So. I mean, what can you really say or do? <laughs> Nothing. I think that's the worst part about Fifty Cent. We all know he's an asshole. We all know he's petty to no end, and we know he will not stop. Like nope. he will go as far as he can. And it's like, what can you really do to someone who's willing to risk everything? Absolutely nothing. I saw a meme that, that says. Like, someone was like, I love 50, and I get his pettiness. But at the same time, I see why he got shot nine times. And I was like, oh, oh wow. Well, yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. That makes that sense. Makes makes sense. sense. Mm-hmm. And know, still man. talking stuff. Like, you get shot nine times, and you come out talking more stuff than you did before you got shot. Like, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a pretty big feat on the resume to say you got shot nine times and survived. That's true. What can you do yeah, and not resume from the sense of, oh, hey, 50, I want you to come work for my corporation. Just, just street cred, <laughs> you know? Yeah, Wikipedia page. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Man. Well, I can't wait for the Low next Yeah, I would go see, I would still go see Jairo. Y'all want to know the irony in this conversation, though? The 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 What's key that? point was to talk about Jaru, and he still didn't get much love in this conversation. <laughs> That's how it goes, man. Well, Fifty wins uh, again, right? But hey, speaking of petty, so I don't know 
why this video is like decided to pop up again because it's from 2013. God, that's the first time I heard about it. It was actually Ricky Smiley was talking about it. And I think that might be the reason because he posted it that day. And then from there on, it was just on all social media for some reason. But I'm assuming you guys have watched First 48 before. I know Austin and I used to watch it in the dorm. (laughs) (laughs) Today Um, on First 48. uh, So First 48, for those that don't know, it's just a show that they go and talk about homicides. And most of the people just watch it because (laughs) that's where you see all the snitches in the hood come out. Um, And for this particular situation, set the story up and then play the clip but it's a homicide and it sounds like it was a hit and run um they got the suspect in the uh, room and they're trying to talk to him to get a confession or to like tell the truth and this is what he decides specter him before this like we're trying to figure out why there's a dent on your on your mom's car or on the on the car they were driving <laughs> and the guy's like well i have no idea blah 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 and the two officers are like look either one of them was like if you're trying to put your mom on the bus whatever but someone's we're gonna find out who's lying today the cops leave and the camera's still on this guy and he's like sits there thinks for a second like maybe five minutes and he had already like said you know this is the best lie I can figure out and he like gets like he got that like you know when you like get that light bulb moment and you start pointing like yeah that's the one that's what I'm on this is it this is my freedom right here calls the officer back in and he starts off I don't think you were able to hear it but he's like officer like you know my mom my mom she got she got eye problems and, <laughs> you know, and the looks at him like already just like really we're going down this route. And he's like, yeah, but she got eye problems. She, you know what happened? Was she told me, man, I hope I didn't do anything bad. And that's when the cop was like, really, you about to, you really about to pin this on your mom? Going down that route, like in there, I'm like, I would. I, don't, I guess it'll take murder, but I wouldn't. How would you even think twice to be like, you know what, Mama? I'm sorry, but you gotta go. Right, Ma, you gotta take this one. <laughs> like, Just take this one to think. Right. I guess. And first of all, yo, if you a black person, most black people living with a black mama, your mama teach you like, don't take my personal business out this house. Nobody probably knew about her eye condition before he brought it up. <laughs> right? Don't be putting 
my business out there. Now, now, now his mom on the sick, sick and shut in list at the church. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> now she gotta take an extra test for her license and stuff. You know, make sure she good. Like, you gotta be a cold dude to like. Throw your mama under, under the bus. Well, right? he was he was really really adamant too. It's like, officer, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I'm not lying, man. <laughs> I'm, lying. I'm just like, <laughs> like you really gonna put it inside your mind? He's like, nah, it's not that. I just told her she got an eye problem, so I don't know what she what she did with that. <laughs> all right, so uh, so all right for for the sake of defending my man. Oh wow! Uh, oh really? <laughs> just playing, bring some excitement to the conversation. He had he probably asked himself the following question: A, what was my relationship with my mama like growing up? Damn. Was it good, bad? Was she distant? Was B, she distant? B, <laughs> B, <laughs> B, how old is my mom? And C, given her age and the condition of her health, how much wow. longer does she have on earth? Wow! Awesome. Wow! <laughs> And then, hey, so it starts saying your hell Mary right now. Nah, nah. <laughs> and the, and the moment he answered those questions is when, is when he pointed like, y'all, that's the one. Hey, like, it was she my didn't mama. Have <laughs> she didn't have fun out here. She didn't have fun. And, 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 and the last part is is D. I think I did ABC. D is oh, oh she got a good relationship with God. She prays so she gonna go to heaven. <laughs> Don't you so, break out of this? My mama good either mom way. Why is mom <laughs> hey. in this situation? <laughs> right? She's adding up all scenarios, man. I'm not defending Look. them. I'm just playing devil's advocate. All right, no, let's keep this going. Let's keep this going. Let's keep this going. So let's say dude, dude is able to convince <laughs> dude is able to convince the officers that it was his mom that did it. For some mm-hmm. for some reason the cops were like, all right, bet. Taking your mom. Thanks for telling me the truth, y'all. What? (laughs) What do you think the conversation is to his mom when he he goes home and she's all excited, like, "Oh, my baby's out! You free! I told y'all he didn't do it! I told y'all he didn't do it! You damn cops was trying to take us! This, this, this!" And then they're like, "Ma'am, yeah, we need you come with us. (laughs) We need you come with us real quick." What do you think the conversation is with her son? The last conversation you'll have with her son. Like I know my mama, my mama, you know, you know, she like to curse a little bit. I'm not leaving with at least a hundred curse words at my thrown my way. My mama might throw a punch. I told y'all once before. <laughs> my mama started switching over from spanking to punching the boys pretty early. So, and my mama got a nice right little jab, like mm-hmm. right. Oh, I can feel it right now. I would never do that to my mama. I mean, I just want to say that, Ma. I love you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she, she, we probably both going somewhere. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's all I know. I mean, could could she defend herself? Because technically, she didn't see it coming. Oh, wow! <laughs> you know what? What is the hey. problem? Let's end hey. it on that note. <laughs> <laughs> so to the next thing, please. Yo, all right, all right. Hold on. I sound like I don't love. I sound like I don't love mama. But I love mama. I'm gonna send this clip to to Mom McMurray. I'm gonna send this clip. Nah, don't do that. <laughs> but no, de- definitely not defending my man's actions. I'm just just playing devil's advocate. But how I really feel though is that's completely disrespectful to try to pin that on True. your mom. 
And I'll never, if I was his mom, I wouldn't put a single thing on his books. Man, no commentary for nothing. Like, but shout out I, to that cop no. though, who was like, yeah. "Nah, you don't do this to your mama." Your no, mama. Right. <laughs> hey, after he got out of the off, uh, the the cell, holding area, he goes, like, man, I've been doing that for a long time. I <laughs> never in my life <laughs> thought I'd see the day someone pit a murder, a homicide on their mother. Mm. But hey, today's the day. <laughs> see, and, and I love, I love that it was a black cop because here, here, here's how it goes. Say, let's just say hypothetically, is a white, a white cop. He says, "Oh, my mama did it." Oh, so you're saying your mother is the one that committed the crime? Okay, tell us more. Black cop, my mama did it. Man, you gonna pin this on your mama, dog? Your mama, <laughs> right? <laughs> mama. Uh, and then this one here. It's a completely different connotation when, when when you throw a brother in there, man. That was funny though. He like backed out his seat and everything. It was like, but your mama though, man. If he had a choice, he probably would have said, "Who, man? Who's man? Like who's man? Who's man? Who's man is this? Who's son is this? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what city was that? Like, where were they? I don't know. I don't know. I say St. Louis. I don't know. Yeah, I think so because that that dude is one of my favorite first forty eight cops. I don't know his name, but he like one of my favorite first forty eight cops. All right, that make a little bit more sense now. All right, yeah, we can move on. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to say crime on crime on crime. <laughs> uh, all right, so what we got up next on the list? Another hey. criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. Level of criminal activity, okay? <laughs> but it also might be the smartest, okay? And I, Hands down. For this reason, <laughs> I kind of want to get my, uh, I want to become a doctor. Um, I like, I really want to become a psychologist because I feel like this is the new move, but I'll let you guys know later because uh, it ain't work out too well for uh, this lady. But a doctor accused of borrowing $300,000 from a patient later diagnosed that patient with dementia. <laughs> All right, let's rewind. Let's go back. Let's I got the power. That's a genius move. Th- this is next level genius, okay? A doctor, her name is Sue Ellen Lee, okay? In charge of caring for this woman, borrowed $300,000 from her. And then later told that patient, I didn't borrow that from you. Not only did I not borrow it, but you got dementia, girl. You in danger. Like, <laughs> not <gonna make> it. <laughs> That's so dangerous. Dr. Sue, this was in Tennessee. I mean, I think it's the most genius thing ever. And, like, I'm going to be side-eyeing all my doctors from now on. But... <laughs> I mean, I got a few questions. Like, how did we get to the $300,000 in the first place? Oh, that's what I was thinking of. This patient is stacked. You, tr- I mean, look. You, you think she overcharged her for, like, medical work as a way to get to it? Like, added stuff like, yeah, we ran this test, ran that test. When in reality, she didn't. Because don't we all trust our doctors to, to know that they're doing the right thing to make sure that we're healthy and our bodies are taken care of? So I'm thinking she maybe ran some tests that she edited the receipt, made it look like it, but in reality, those charges weren't in the system. So she got more money than you know what 
the lady was required to pay. Awesome. It's even worse than that. So actually, the was a loan that the lady mm-hmm. provided to the doctor. And only when the patient went and said, hey, you owe me this money, was when the doctor was like, oh, money? You got that all How time, did she convince man. her to give that money? Right? Here's a quote in the whole article. Lee, you know, Sue Ellen, a girl, who I think probably should run for president soon, but Lee made the diagnosis according to officials without any testing method or obtaining <laughs> a second opinion. <laughs> She said, you don't need to talk to nobody else. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> she was right here on the spot. Wow. Yeah, you got it. I can sense it. That's right? so disrespectful. She's like, she's like, don't go nowhere else. That's just going to you're going to waste more money. Okay. Now go home, take a nap. Uh, come back. I mean, I, she, I'm going to be surprised if she asked for more money when she came back. Um, <laughs> but then Lee, like, never admitted that she was guilty. So she said, like, I still maintain the fact that this lady never gave me money, which then leads me to ble- or think about, the- like, what if what if she really did it? Like, Brian, as you explained in the story, Brian, just now, I'm like, maybe she really did give her the money. Like, hey, maybe she did. did Dementia. Go check? Yeah, I don't know. If, look, if you if you give someone three hundred thousand without a receipt, I'm healed from dementia. I don't remember. You know, I swear, I, I swear, I gave you money. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you have a receipt? All right. <laughs> you got? Did we take a picture with the check? Like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I just how bold do you gotta be to like sit there and be like, hey, not only am I not paying you. You might not be fit to care for yourself no more. <laughs> you may not be fit to care for yourself. <laughs> this might be the end of the road for you. <laughs> like, let's go. Yeah. I don't, so, what, like, Brian, what was, like, the outcome of the story? Is there, like, a resolution to it or what? So, uh, the doctor <laughs> still maintains that the, maintains she never asked for that money. But where, where is it? Uh, the doctor agreed to retire and voluntarily get, uh, <laughs> give up her license. Look, for $300,000, step down too. I know. But look at this. She, like, she, was, she was also assessed a civil civil penalty <laughs> of $2,000. To me, that's a slap in the face, <laughs> bro. Yeah. <laughs> compared to the... Came, of course I'll retire. Yeah, I'm good. Compared to the 300 k she just got? Man. All right. She said, you know what? I ain't do it. But if this all y'all want, I'll, oh, no. <laughs> I'll retire. Y'all right. Just, I was tired. Just to get y'all to stop looking into it. Hey, <laughs> hey, maybe maybe the lady she stole from is the same lady whose son tried to uh, pin the murder on her in the first 48. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she, uh, she having a horrible week. She having an awful week. <laughs> my son just told me I killed somebody. Now you telling me I gave you money? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> Look, that's that's awful though. It make you it, yeah. it awesome. make you like it make you like wonder though. Like with some of like these medical bills, because like you get simple something that simple as like you know you go to the hospital, be like, oh yeah, you got a cold, take this. 
And they give you a prescription, not prescription, like $40, $50, and then you got all these kind of fees, man. It's just like, are these doctors really, are these hospitals really pulling fast ones over us all the time? Look, yeah. read your receipts when you leave the doctor, when you get it. Man. You hear all these stories of, like, dentists, when dentists, um, I don't know if it still happens like that, this is how they get paid, but... It used to be where they used to get insurance used to pay them per tooth. So, like, you pulled a tooth wow. out for, like, whatever reason, it was decay or wisdom tooth or whatever, the insurance would pay you for that. And there was a doctor in Florida, good old Florida, he was yanking little kids' teeth out and putting it, for no reason, the kid will come in for, like, a tooth cleanup, and the next thing you know, the kid has <laughs> that are gone. Ain't got no teeth. Why are you laughing, bro? <laughs> Bro, why are you laughing, dog? That's real funny. Like you go, you go in for a, a cleaning. You think the worst that's gonna happen? You might have a cavity, and you come out with four teeth. Like <laughs> what? What happened? That's not funny, bro. And you know, you know, at the dentist office, they don't let your mama go in the back. So you back there by yourself answering questions. Like I think you need an extraction. I don't know what that means. But okay, so go ahead. <laughs> like, let's go. Now your mama pissed off because she got paid for this. <laughs> but mama, he told me I need it. <laughs> your dumb ass in the car. All right, I'm sorry. Wow. All right, keep going. Damn. Well, well, that's what, how they caught him because the mom heard this kid screaming for no apparent reason. He was like, I don't know why my kid's screaming for a tooth clean this bad. For a tooth clean. And they found Man. out this old ass dude um, yanking teeth. So y'all, just read your statements, receipts. Even even at school, and when you got for those who are college students, mm. look at your statement when you go pay your, your school back because there's stuff on there you can fight. I don't use that. I, why? I remember for us, it used to they used to charge us a lot for like the school. Um, what is it? The radio? They and did. Man, and I, I was like, about yeah. that. and I'm like, I have never heard this radio station in my life at Michigan State. Why am I getting charged for this? That's true. That's real true. So, like, there's stuff on there, like, if it's not included in your, you know, tuition, there's extra stuff that will just throw in there that you, you can find it and be like, well, I don't use this service, so I don't know why I have to pay for it. And who needs to change their uh, fire alarm uh, thing? Man, I, so... I went, to, <laughs> I went to good. I went to Goodwill and got my batteries, and I put them in like two weeks ago. <laughs> you wait, 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 wait. You can do that. What's your deal with? Man, yeah, it was like, it was like, it was like, it was like 30, 39 volts for five bucks, bro. I couldn't man, pass bro. that up. <laughs> I'm gonna just have. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna go to a real store and get some hey. guys that are door sales. Yeah, or something. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm probably like, babe, that's about batteries. <laughs> why this? Hey, I, I did. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't trying to be like Jack on This Is Us. Hey, it's still too soon. Too oh soon. my god! Yeah, it is. No, but but even though even though they beep in my our smoke detectors still plug into an electrical unit that's wired to the entire unit, so it's still good. Like it detects. It's just let me know that hey, you need to get the Goodwill boys out of there and put some energizers or door cells in there. Like what? Please. Hey, what? <laughs> what, kind, what brand? Help hey, me. what brand was this? 
Bro, it's, it's like sure, sure charge or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, it, you you know how you used to put the nine. It just says battery on it. <laughs> battery brand batteries. You know, you know how you used to put the battery on your tongue to get like that electric shot. What? No, no. Uh, <laughs> it looked like it looked like the it looked like the worker. It looked like the workers at Goodwill just like licked the batteries to get a charge and put them back in the pack and say, "Let's see how long these last." So, I know what that is like. I know. Y'all ain't had no. Y'all ain't had no childhood if y'all nah, no nine volt battery on y'all. Too. I thought you were gonna say put in the freezer. We used to put them in the freezer. And then you are licking battery. No, like Austin, I'm gonna defend you on this. I'm gonna defend Thank you, on you, bro. This. That was Thank a you, method bro. which was flawed completely, but that was a method. Is if you put, if you were to put the battery on your tongue, like. There was a, a sensation that was supposed to tell you whether the battery had charge or not. Yeah, maybe our parents <laughs> told us that. To I'm just called being electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Our parents, <laughs> our parents was training us for Black Lives Matter protests because you know they'd be tasing people. So be like here in the box. Man, so no, back to this Tennessee, best. back to this, back to this Tennessee doctor. Y'all gonna get off my batteries and my smoke detector? Like I just want to know when you got the goodwill. You're like, oh, let me start selling batteries. Look, hey, the pack, <laughs> the pack was the pack was all dusty and yellow. I'm like, man, this pack, is, this pack is probably like 10, 15 years old. Bro, you know what that person did? He said, I'm going to recharge these batteries for the next person. I'm going to get a tax write off these batteries. I'm going to donate them to the Goodwill. The person, you want your receipt? Yeah, I want my receipt. I just donated some batteries. Yeah. They're trying, they're trying to get that money like that Tennessee doctor. Let's get back on subject. That's enough about her. Oh, now you want us to move on, all right? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that's the best thing ever. I got, the, I got them surefire boys. If you need them that, hey, hey, so I'm good. So I'm good. All right, so since since we on the subject of smoke detectors, and I'm I'm a, I'm a re-record it, but for y'all listeners, if y'all hear the Mills Without Meat promo at the beginning of the episodes, that's me talking. If you listen closely, you can hear one of the smoke detectors in the background. <laughs> that was recorded like six months ago. And then here's the thing. I changed the battery since then. It's just the batteries ain't no good. Hey, man, it, ain't, it, ain't a sure, it ain't a sure thing with them batteries. Uh, Look, man. Uh, Look, well, I'm going to start to go from me for, uh, to donate money so Austin can get real batteries. Cause man, all right, doer sales and energizers and all that, man. It be, you get all right, so you get four nine volts. It'd be like twelve dollars. I'm like, man, for what? They work. You're not changing they your, right? You're not changing your thing. You ain't got to lick them for another three months, four months. I was cooking. I was cooking earlier today, and my smoke detector sensed that I was cooking, and they went off. So they work. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Hey man, them that smoke detector trying to tell you change me, please, please help me. <laughs> Help me help you. Man. Help me so I can help you. Man, y'all can miss me with that. I ain't know y'all y'all brought me on here to talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> I see what it is. Hey, hey man, no strings attached, bro. No strings attached. 
Man, well, there obviously no batteries oh, attached either. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, oh. All right, maybe we just go ahead and keep moving now. I don't yeah, even right, know yeah, yeah. Since, since we since we y'all y'all talking about me, I'll introduce the next story. So, I don't know if y'all seen it or not, but um, there was a 16 year old girl on Doctor Phil named Treasure Richards, who claims to be white. And she is extremely prejudiced and racist towards black people. Mind you, she's a black girl. Uh, so she on the show, she called black people animals, hood rats, say we belong in jail, say we're comp- say we're incompetent, etc. So the background story about her is um, her mom was married to a white guy who passed away, which was her stepdad. And um, her mom told her that he was a real father all of her life until maybe when she was I don't know, say t- say a teenager, she told her who she, who she truly was and who her dad really was, that her dad was a black guy. And that just, like, caused this landslide, caused her to, you know, make these claims that she's white. She identifies as white. Her skin isn't like ours. Her nose and lips aren't big like ours. Her hair isn't nappy and dry like ours. And um, also, on the flip side of that, apparently her sister uh, named Nina Richards said it was all a lie. And the producers of the Dr. Phil show knew that it was a lie. So it's like, we don't know what's going on in this story. But the fact is, it's out there. And like the way she taught, the way she's talking about black people as a black girl with the full black lips and black nose and the hair texture of a black person was like, what the heck is going on? Like, I don't know if y'all saw that episode or not, but her little brother was not having it. He was like, you don't you don't claim to be, he was like, you're not white, you're a racist. And her mom was just, I can't take it, I don't know what to do. It was it was sad to watch. It was pretty depressing, man. True. I feel like, the, <laughs> like obviously this girl, depending on if you believe it's real or not, Dr. Phil, I heard him on The Breakfast Club uh, yesterday, and he was saying like, oh, we don't have no reason to put on fake guests and you know, we take what we do seriously and we protect all these people. So I'll leave it up to you guys if you believe it. But he did mention, like, how much trauma she's gone through in her life. So not only was her dad, the white guy who she thought was her dad, um, did he die, but she was she was also adopted. So she found out, like, all this stuff at one time, that she was adopted, that this guy wasn't her dad. And the fact that, you know, her real father was black, like Austin said. It it I couldn't watch the episode. I watched a few clips. Um, but it was just like kinda sick to watch because one, I mean, she is a sixteen year old girl. So it was tough to look at her and not want like <laughs> to say stuff like mean stuff about her especially some of the mean stuff she was saying about, you know, our people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're looking at her, you like, this This is a child. And she probably doesn't even know some of the stuff she's saying. I mean, some of the stuff she was saying about the KKK uh, that I saw in the clip, like, oh, yeah, I love the KKK. And I, I like to keep up with them. And I'm part of their mailing list. And this is why, because, you know, white is better, or white is better whatever they say, white is better or whatever the uh, tagline is. 
it was just sad to watch. Yeah. Really sad. And it was like my whole thing if it is of it is it's like it's one thing to claim that you're white. Okay. I get it. Some people live in that kind of world. But <laughs> it wasn't so much like she's not even claiming to be white. She just has so much hate for black people and African Americans to the point where Dr. Phil even said I'm a white guy and we don't accept you because we don't talk like this. You know, we don't, you know, we don't belittle people like this. And there was even a point where um, there was a, uh, a psychologist and a life coach, a lady from Atlanta on the show. Mm-hmm. And she was like diagnosing her and, you know, breaking down like her trauma and how her mom caused it. And she even invited treasure. She was like, I want you to come to Atlanta with me to my firm and spend some time with me and all my friends who are successful, kicking, killing our game, black women. And she called this lady a hood rat. She was like, I don't need to listen to this hood rat. After this black lady just like eloquently <laughs> spoke about you, she diagnosed you while still respecting you and let you know that there is hope to save you. You call her a hood rat and say you don't need to listen to her. It's just... It was sad, man. It was it's it was, it was depressing actually. Yeah, so for me besides like when you uh guys posted in the group chat, I just for some reason I just felt like I wanted to stay away from it cuz I just didn't want to see all that. But then looking up the whole is it fake thing and I don't I just then again it's also Dr. Phil's show and I don't I, I don't know how credible Dr. Phil is as far as what he does or brings to to the um on TV and just thinking about like Catch Me Outside Girl. If three weeks from now all of a sudden this mom and daughter are catching some deal or something, then I'm gonna be really pissed because you made a joke out of something that black women are daily having struggling to, you know, already have these issues and struggles in life for just being black in general and being a woman and you're saying everything they're fighting against to to gain an extra buck. So mm-hmm. that's that's where I'll be annoyed. But then I, I it's not who am I to say she's lying say she needs help. But just based off of what she's seeing what she is and what she's saying right now, I, I just don't know how someone can just say it and then go home and be like, Yeah mom, do we do we practice that right? Is that what you wanted me to say? You know? Yeah. It's hard for me to just to, to picture that. And right. and like Brian was saying, she is 16 years old. She's still growing up. And like he was saying, some of the stuff she was saying didn't make sense. And you also have a, makes you think like, is this being pushed by the mom? Like, hey, say this or do this. So I, I just don't know. It's, just, it's a lot. It, it really is a lot. Yeah. So a question... So a couple questions that I have for y'all that that made me <laughs> that I thought about was, and, and maybe Conrad, you can speak to this. You know, since you you will be marrying like interracially, mm-hmm. how would you handle a blended family in an interracial marriage? Like, so mm-hmm. say you have black kids, right, mm-hmm. and you're getting ready to marry um, a white woman or white man, and your kids have like you know never thought about that concept, never truly been exposed to that concept. How would you like explain that to him? Like what's getting ready to happen? Oh, that's tough. And everybody can answer this question. It's not just for Conrad. That's uh, a good question. Uh, I mean, so I feel like to answer that question, it's more it happens to you. 
because I guess I'll answer it as how I'd want to approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you're going to teach your kids to, you know, respect and love everyone that is, that looks like them or doesn't look like them. And uh, <clears throat> I mean, you have to introduce them and let them know that, hey, if they have never experienced being in a, I guess, first of all, you got to look at yourself. If my kid who is interracial and for some reason, let's say I adopt uh, a black kid, right? And it's my job as a parent to show my kids before I even bring in someone who also looks different to me that there are people in this world that are different with culture, backgrounds, religion, race, everything is different. And we're going to have to interact with these people, whether they're family or not. So if, if that family member or remarries and has to uh, intermix, you know, two different races and two different cultures, at some point before that happens, I would assume that as a parent, you have had this discussion with your kid so that when it happens, that it's not just, I can get kids being jealous about, you know, well, now we're going to have to fight for attention or now we're going to have to share things or, you know, stuff like that, which kind of makes sense because kids are just generally like that. But I would expect that my kid, I have taught them that I'm not, I don't expect you to get mad that, oh, well, this black kid is now going to be our brother. And I don't know what black kids do. I'm never, I, as a parent, I hope you have taught your kid in some aspect that just because it's different doesn't change in the fact that he can't be your brother or he can't be a friend. Or So to me, it's just, it comes back to the parent and what you've taught your kid. Mm-hmm. When, once you start a family in that sort of way, things aren't going are never going to be easy. It's not just like, well, here's this kid, and you know he's black, or you know this kid's white, and we bring it into into our family. And yeah. I expect you to do this, this, and it's not always going to be that way. But I feel like you should still be like, hey, he might be different from you, or look different from you, or like things are even the simplest thing because kids at that age are looking at similarities, what they like. We may not like the same thing, but I expect you to respect him and treat him like you'd want to be respect treated in the same way. But because we're not parents, we're just saying what we would do. But right. I think that's how mm-hmm. I would try to come at it. Yeah. That's real. Yeah, I feel like I would say, um, I wanna I wanna raise my kids the same way my mom raised us, which was you love everybody. You love everybody regardless of if you understand what they're going through or you agree or not even agree, but you love them regardless. And you treat every single person with respect. And if I were to marry, you know, a white woman or any other race of women, woman, whatever way you say it, um, I would want to make sure that we both are on the same page with how we will raise our children, making sure that they know, you know, exactly who they are, what they represent, um, how they should treat other people, so on and so forth. That would be my goal. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess one thing I can say, sorry, Ron, for you uh, get a chance to reply is that I have this within my family because I have cousins who have married outside the race and their sisters are married within their race and their kids interacting, um, even though they 
do know they're completely different. And this is at a young age. They know, they'll still hear them say like, well, you know, you're not the same color as me or this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. But they notice it, but they don't act on it negatively, if that makes sense. Like they know That's my great. cousin is, my cousin is, you know, has white in her or my cousin has uh, white and black in her, but she's still my family. Like we're still cousins at the end of the day. And they show so much love for each other. And that stems, that stems from what? From seeing how their parents interact with other people that are yeah. different from them, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's how I just look at it. Mm-hmm. That's real. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> I think what I would add on to that is like, like going on what you say, you definitely start off by leading by example. You just got to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward and showing the respect and the interest in the culture that you're going to be merging with. And then letting your kids know that it's preparing them like this put it honestly there's going to be some things about these people that you're going to get to know and their culture is going to be a little bit different from ours in some ways and completely different from us in other ways and just be open to the experience you may learn that some of their things aren't for you but you don't disrespect them Mm -hmm. you don't put them down for it and you don't allow them to do that to you and just just kind of make sure you build that foundation that things are going to change things are going to be different but you can learn from it you can grow from it you can adopt some of the things that you learn from them and make it part of your own culture and just learn how to grow into one family yeah and, and like what everybody's saying i think that's like exactly what her mom failed to do by telling her her entire life that this guy was her biological father yeah. um because it's like you know now he passes away and you break the news to her you just like put like an identity crisis on your daughter that she didn't need that she didn't want that she didn't put on herself it was all because you lied. And so at the time when you told that lie, you didn't think anything up. You'd be like, oh, she's going to be fine. This, you didn't foresee your husband dying. So it's like now you manifested this thing into her that hasn't only affected like how she views other people, but most importantly, how she views herself. And it's like so much like self-hate and, you know, self, you know, pity that she has. And she doesn't even realize she has it. Because mentally, her her mind is just gone. And it all stems from the lie that her mom told her several years ago. And, like, that's, like, another thing, like, why within, like, family units and even in relationships in general of, like, why honesty is so important. Because, like, you don't know what a lie will manifest into 20 and 30 years from now. Like, you don't know the mental trauma that that lie could cause. And so now here you got this family that's like divided. Like, and like Conrad said, whether the story is true or not, it's still a scenario. So it's like, you got this family that's like divided and a huge wedge in between it. And it's like, it's to a point where you ask yourself, like, is it too, is it too late to save my daughter? Is it too late to save my sister? Is it too late to save my niece? You know? Can I uh, ask you guys a question? So what if... So what if question she came out and was like look I identify as a white person like this is what I want to be identified with and and basically it's like she has nothing she has nothing to do with um the culture and race of being black um but she doesn't speak down on black people does she still get the same reaction that she does um, 
I feel like the easy answer is yeah. Yeah. Still, like people are still gonna look at her and say, "Hey, girl, your skin, your what you bring to the world, is never gonna be the same as what another white person that you think you identify with brings to the world." Like the experience you're gonna have is totally different from what the experience that you know your ideal experience is. And the longer that you fight against that, you know, the harder it's going to be for you. And I, I, I hate, I mean, look, I, I heard someone say today, like, um, what do they call it? Trans racism, which I think uh, is what transracial is what they called. Uh, what was her name? The lady. Rachel Dolezal. Yeah, 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 yeah. That we fought against. I mean identify as what you want to identify, but also understand like how other people are going to experience you and be prepared for that. And obviously this girl here is not prepared for that at all. And I feel like it was the same case with Rachel, which she wasn't prepared for that either. Uh, it It is tough, but like you want every single person to feel like they can live within their truth. Um, and hopefully every person can begin to live in their truth but you also got to respect the fact that other people may not experience you that same way and how can how can how can you and how can that person both like i guess get to know both experiences so that you know everyone can be a little bit more accepting yeah it's like how can you live in it how can you live in your truth without lying to yourself is a good question to ask. Yeah. Because like if if you like I feel like if you identify with something, you'll you'll tell so many lies and make up so many falsehoods to so so you can feel closer and closer to that thing than what you really are. And it's like like I said, how how can you live within your truth without lying to yourself? if that question makes sense. I guess for me, the thing is not taken away from the situation, but I think what Brian and Ron just said, what was, <laughs> what is the, it's called trans, what transracial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And like one was that, I guess, I don't want to say diagnosed or when was that the way to approach people who have those identity, cri- identity crisis. I don't even know if that's the right word to call it. For them to use that, I guess my my question is: so a scientific name for people who identify as something that they're not, right? As far as yeah. race, right? Now, is yeah. it going to be the same thing with before when we never talked about transgender? I guess is the question is: why is it that someone can identify a gender, a different gender than what they are? but then have an issue when someone is identifies as a different race is my question. Well, I feel like the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, people still don't respect the fact that um, based on what, you know, 45 has been saying over this week in the past few weeks about the transgender community, there's a majority of people I would say that don't believe that that is a real thing still. So I feel like that's why we're still having these conversations. We're still not fully understanding what's going on. And there are so many questions out there because 
no one I, I don't wanna say no one knows, but no one Hey he was scratching. It just feels like if this That's not the surefire batteries are it. <laughs> I was going at it. I don't know what was happening. <laughs> y'all can continue your podcast. <laughs> I swear, you gotta come on every week. <laughs> hey, make me a regular, Darnold. You can't have my spot, Darnold. <laughs> well, sorry, Brian. No, but saying? for real, for real, there is there is so much like out there that that I feel like people don't want to know mm-hmm. or don't want to appreciate, don't want to agree with. Um, and you you see it now, like you see it this week with, you know, 45 saying, or it was this week or last week, him saying, you know, they're going to they're gonna change the way they identify genders and you will be identified as what, you know, the doctor kind of sets you as when you're born or things of that like you you see that and and if you're part of that that group of people or you're part of those you're an ally to those group of people it's like you feel like well your voice isn't being heard because the leader of your country the leader of your your you know democracy is against you so who do you have for you Do all right. So I got. I guess I have a bit of a, a controversial question, and uh, you know, I, I accept all backlash, if any, that I get. But do you feel like, as a society, we're putting trans at the front of too many things now? So now you got like transracial. Um, another thing that has been surfing is surfacing is like trans age, like you. Like, even though I'm 40, I identify as a five-year-old. And I feel like if we keep, you know, putting this trans at the beginning of stuff, I feel like it's, it's going to dig us in deeper, deeper holes. Because, like, like for example, with the, with the trans age stuff, you just opening the door for child molestation and, you know, violating children when, relationally. But, hey... I'm trans age, so I identify as a five-year-old. That makes it okay. And and like I say, my question is like, are we going, have we gone too far with putting the word, the root trans at the beginning of too many things? Hmm. Oh, that's, that's a good I'll be honest. It's the first time I've ever heard uh, the trans age thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm was today it was a big yeah, controversy right. because saying is that now these people who identify who are older identify with a younger age that since they feel that way it's okay for them to interact with younger children when they're grown adults you know acting like they're young age so you're having these like i'm saying like a 35 year old who says i'm five years old and wants to go play with these five-year-olds but it's not really, you know, they're still a grown-ass man at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I I do agree. I don't I don't want to say that we're going out of getting out of hand with this. I think people yeah. are using it. I don't want to say using it, but interpreting it as something that is going to be a norm. You hear that? Mm-hmm. You hear mm-hmm. that uh forgot the whole thing with like pedophilia, like pedophiles. Yeah. And now it's like um, LGBTQ and P or something like that. Or something like that. Um, I don't know if that's 100% true, 
but they were made possible for those who are pedophiles. Like it's something that's in them that they are attracted to young kids. And my thing is, if you're going to diagnose with someone, because let's put it this way, being transgender doesn't cause harm harm to anybody. Right. That's how I look. Right. There's no, unless the person becomes hurtful, they're, they're the ones making the action to be hurtful. Right. Now, I'm looking at it as if I'm trans, if someone is trans age and say they identify themselves aged in what they really are, in this example, we put a 45 year old saying they feel like they're five. What's going to happen when that 45 year old is interacting with an actual five year old? Yeah. You know? And like, and the reason why, why I call it dangerous is because we've, we've given like bandages and cover ups to illnesses and so we're no longer treating them as illnesses we're treating them as lifestyles Mm. and and that's why like i said that's why i say it's dangerous and like as a society we have to be careful with as soon as you think it then that's what you are own it identify with it that's who you are don't be ashamed of who you are like we got to be careful with that kind of stuff man because it's it's stuff going on in people's heads that that need to be fixed. And as long as we keep giving people an out to have these illnesses, we're just going to be a world full of people with some type of illness that has a legal cover up on it now. So they continue to so they can continue to operate in that lifestyle that's damaging to themselves and other people. Uh I feel like I would say I I would I just don't feel comfortable calling um things an illness when may not be i would say and based on like what we've talked about uh during this podcast i would first want to like open the invite to if we got any listeners out there who maybe do identify as some of the terms that we've used tonight and would be willing to come on or if we have like allies out there who would like to come on and have a conversation with us or let us know where we are maybe missing some information because one thing I do notice is that with a lot of these different terms, and this has been throughout my lifetime, I noticed that whenever it is part of the minority that I would almost say like scare tactics are used against those types of people. So you think about like transgender people immediately go to, well, those people are going to be in the bathroom with my kid. Well, wait, like, all those people are going to be in the bathroom with your kid? How often is your kid in the bathroom? Like, what are we missing? Like, what's happening? Or gay people, all those people have AIDS, or all those people are unsafe for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the full decade of the 80s, people thought you could only get AIDS from being gay, not even you know, respecting the drug a- epidemic that was going on at the same time. So right. I just feel like so many times we we take stuff that we don't know and we immediately go to the scariest place possible. Or or black people, hell, at one point we were just known as rapists and, and uh, not smart and that, you know, we couldn't think for ourselves, so we would immediately use our sexual prowess to take all white women like that's what black men were known as Mm -hmm. so i feel like everyone takes something that they're uncomfortable with and immediately goes to the worst 
case scenario and then that's all of those people so just being like an open podcast and open open I don't want to say open thinkers because I'm looking at Kanye West right now on my TV screen. But being <laughs> smart, independent thinking, black men that we are, uh, I would like to open that up to people to come on. And and if you guys if you guys can help us out, that's what I would appreciate. Because my thing, and I've always said this on this podcast, I want to be a curious person. I want to I want to know more. I want to learn more about people. I going back to your question earlier, Austin, I want my kids to be curious. Like I want them to want to know more. I want them to want to understand different perspectives and be open to the fact that you may not agree or you may not even feel comfortable in some circumstances, but at least you know now how that person feels um, when maybe a comment is made or, or, or situations happen. Like the more, I feel like the more, you know, the better you are. And that, yeah. that's kind of how I leave it. Yeah, and, 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 you know, thank you for saying that, Brian, because, you know, you saying that made me realize, like, maybe my question was definitely a little insensitive because I don't, like, I don't know what people go through. Like, you know, that person that's trans age, I don't know what they went through. The person that's transgender or the person that's transracial, I don't know their experience, what caused them to feel that way. And... And, like, even though I, I pose that question, I'm definitely still a person who is open to sitting down with somebody and having a dialogue who either is an advocate for those lifestyles or who is currently living that lifestyle. Like, and, and I think Conrad alluded to this um, a couple of weeks on the podcast, um, like homosexuals, right? When I was, like, growing up through high school and everything it was like if you a gay dude don't talk to me don't touch me don't look at me you violate me and it was like when I got to college like I slowly started to realize how like damaging that thinking was to myself because here I am like a black man whose you know parents and grandparents had to overcome you know these things of being like counted as not a person and I'm doing this to other people you know not saying that you know they they went through the exact same things that my grandparents went through but just the thought process of treating somebody as less of a person and it's like they're an individual just like I am they're a human being just like I am they just happen to have a different sexual preference that I don't have but I'm gonna I'm not gonna treat that treat them as less of a person or be like oh get out of my face you gay you know and 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 that's why thank you like again thank you brian for saying that because it made me realize you know what i said was kind of was a little insensitive well i feel like thank you for even having the courage to like bring up the question because i feel like a lot of people don't even feel comfortable enough to just say it and say how you feel about it and be open to the fact that hey maybe (laughs) i feel like the worst type of person is a person who asks a question they get told that the question is disrespectful, and then they're like, "Well, you're rude because you 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 don't you didn't listen to me, or you didn't want to like accept what I said." It's like, hey, if we're all open to communication and we all want to know and do better, like be open to hearing that. Hey, maybe the way that we were saying stuff is wrong, and that we all can be better uh, because of it by just hearing that that feedback. True. True. Yeah. Definitely. And then, like, I guess I'll I'll ask 
I'll ask one last question in regards to uh Treasure Richards. Um, do you guys do you guys think it's too late for her to uh I guess to kind of wake up and smell the coffee? And given how and, and the follow-up question on that of that is like, do you think her mom can forgive herself for what she's caused in her daughter? Mm. I don't think it's ever too late. I mean, there if this story is true as it comes, as we're seeing mm-hmm. it, um, I don't, I mean, 16-year-old, they're still molding him, themselves. They're still growing. They're still learning. Now, I don't see anything wrong with, okay, if let's say this happens and the, the mom's like, you know what, actually – Let's do. Let's go to therapy and talk about this together. You know, let's go through this together. Um, and things start to happen, and there's improvement. And the mom is showing her, you know, what being black truly is. If she was lying to her, right? Um, mm-hmm. And what the culture stands for, or even I'm assuming at this point, I'll, I'll hope they'll be talking to a black therapist because that's the only way I can see this working. Um, yeah. And I don't think it's too late. Um, will the mom ever forgive herself if she put this in her? I, that's tough. I don't know. Yeah. That's tough. I and, don't know. And then, like, something else I just thought about, like, outside of her mom saying that the white guy was her father, what behaviors did her mom exhibit as sort of exactly. an example of, oh, I'm white, you know? Like, if her mom were to sit down and reflect, could she say, dang, I could have done this differently. I could have done that differently. Whenever my sisters came around, I used to always talk about how ghetto they were, this, 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 and my daughter heard that, you know? Look, the, the mind is a powerful thing. Like, you can yeah. mold it and do whatever you want with it. And so, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, Austin. Like, mm-hmm. that's, why, that's why I also think it's not too late. I don't yeah, think it's never yeah. too late because you you can, unless it's a, to me, it's like a psychological thing where it's like she can't change who she thinks she is all of a sudden or for some reason. But mm-hmm. that doesn't, even if that's the case, I still don't think it's wrong to show like, this is who you are physically. You're a black woman. This is what you're, this is why people are upset of what you're saying because this is the history of what the people you're talking about have been through and to see someone who looks like them say something so foul about the people that want to love you who who love you and show care for you i don't think there's anything wrong with showing her that yeah yeah definitely yeah, it's, yeah. that's real yeah it's a deep issue man but instead of instead of trashing a girl and her family man i'm definitely praying that they get the healing and, and the recovery that they need because if it's true that's that's some deep stuff to deal with that I can't even fathom, man. Real deep. Real. Well, all right. That's definitely a great conversation. Definitely a great way to close it off before we move on to our final topic for tonight. So what we're here to talk about tonight is the album of the month for October, which is PJ Morton's Bouncing Soul Volume 1. So our man Austin chose this one for us. He selected it. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to him to talk about why he picked it, what it means to him, and you know his thoughts on PJ Morton overall. Yeah, so... P.J. Morton, Bouncing Soul, Volume 1. First off, P.J. Morton is a beast. And uh, I actually recall, I think back to the episode that you guys had with Cammy, 
when you were talking about um I think the Donnell Jones album. Yeah. And um how how basically you were saying like there's not a lot of male R and B artists who are like, you know, worshiping women women, respecting women who make good positive music. And I was like one of the main reasons why I chose PJ Morton so we could have the opportunity to give light to a male R and B artist who is doing that. Um, so I guess I'll just go over a couple things. Um, my first, my first, uh, one of my, fa- a couple of my favorite songs on this album are um, is "Lover" featuring Lil Wayne. So basically, like the hook of the song, he's saying, "Are we going into it?" Yeah. <laughs> oh my bad. I wait. No, nah, I wait on favorite song. No, no. We we already gonna be low on time. So let's go ahead and dive into right. it. Okay. So so "Lover" is one of my favorite songs. Like especially when they say, "I'm a lover. I'm a lover. Not a fighter. Not a fighter." And and yeah. that's just basically saying, like, no matter what I'm going through with my girl, like I'm running to you whenever we whenever we're having situations like. And one thing that uh, we learned in marriage counseling is like to always fight like us together, fighting against a situation and us not fighting each other. Um, And so that song like really speaks to that. And then my favorite song is the only one featuring Stevie Wonder. Um, I know I know all of you guys were at the wedding, um, but that's actually the song that the wedding party walked out to. So after Dom, Dom and I jumped a broom, that's the that's the song we walked out to. And um, I guess overall, my my review on this album is um, it's very uplifting. Um, it respects relationships, marriage, and women. Uh, he truly d- displays the importance of viewing women as jewels, and how we as men should be intentional about respecting them. Um, I also like that it's an in depth look in into New Orleans from into or, into New Orleans music from an R and B perspective, and how Young Money's Soul Bounce sound really transcends across all genres. And like I thought it was so dope how the album went from like uh, went from went from trombone shorty to juvenile to Lil Wayne to Stevie Wonder playing a harmonica on the song. And um, yeah, yeah, Manny Fresh. And like, it just shows how influential PJ Morton is. Like, he's written songs for Maroon 5, a gospel artist named Jay Moss, Robert Glasper, Music Soul Child, Jagged Edge, Monica, and just like a bunch of dope music. And like, his dad is actually a pastor um, in New Orleans. And back when Hurricane Katrina uh, happened, he wrote a song called Still Standing. And like that's one of like the most powerful gospel songs out there. Um, it's just a story of how, you know, basically the song talks about you know even though Katrina ha- happened, how God was still able to you know help his family and help the church family sustain and everything. And like this album is just so dope to me, man, because it it really dives deep into like so many aspects of music and how and how PJ Morton writes with intention and to truly get a message across about. Whatever he's singing about. Woo! That was a nice intro. Preach. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and everybody say, well, what do you overall <laughs> give? How many flame emojis y'all give in this project? I think it's officially considered a mixtape. So, yeah. Up, I'm, uh, criteria, using that criteria, which y'all want to give it. I love that passion. So, you want to go? Do I go? All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I'll see you go first. All right. So, so is it a scale of one to 10, uh, Ron? Five. Oh, five. one to five. So on the scale of one to five, um, I have to give it uh, a four and a half. Uh, four and a half from the sense of like, because I like 
I listen to the like album version as well. Like I feel like it can sometimes get a little repetitive. Um, but overall, being the musician that I am, like I have a greater appreciation for it because it's like when I listen to music, like I listen to it in parts. So say I'm listening to a song, I tell myself, all right, so first I'm gonna pay attention to the drums. All right, the second time I'm gonna listen to it, I'm gonna pay attention to the keys. All right, this time I listen to it, I'm gonna pay attention to the bass. And it's like when when you like isolate music like that, you can really draw from the inspiration that that artist drew from. And it like shows how like musical, musical, how much of a musical genius PJ Morton is. And like, just like the whole New Orleans bounce feel, it like took you to, it's crazy how like the album made you think about taking you back for the 99s and the 2000s. Hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, Like it's that same style, <laughs> but with like R&B music and it's so dope. So for me, it's a four and a half. Um, might be a little biased because I'm a huge PJ Morton fan, but I, I got to give it a four and a half. All right, what about you, Brian? I go nuts. Um, I hated this album when I first listened to it. Sorry, Austin. I did when you when you brought it to us. I was so like upset at myself too because I heard his other album Gumbo, and I know his dad because he used to come to our church like every year for our little uh conference mm-hmm. um i was like no this cannot be it like you cannot know this this guy and like appreciate his music and hate the album i took some time i listened to it this week three weeks after you <laughs> yesterday kind of told us about it <laughs> okay all right <laughs> while we were but i appreciate the time i appreciate the time and I do give it a four out of five now. And what I appreciate most about it is it wasn't for me. It wasn't from. It wasn't made for me. It was a love letter to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once I got that and respected that, I didn't respect that at first. But once I respected that, I heard the album in a whole different way. They kind of like, I, I wish we had more time to talk about it. But it, it, it just made me like, really appreciate music in a new way um which i thought was dope so i'll shut up and let everybody else go all right conrad what you got all right so for me i feel like my rating really won't reflect how i truly feel about this album because i i really liked it but what made me not like it as much was for me was the so many interlude interludes like the speaking parts, because I would get into one song and I'd be so ready for the next song because I know what the next song would be after they, he would have this moment of talking. And the first time I listened to it, I thought it was dope. Like he was explaining, you know, why he made this album and his representation for New Orleans, which was dope. But like to listen to it over, like if I want to listen to it multiple times, I hated that I had to skip those parts so I could get to the songs that I liked. Mm. So I gave it a three point. It's only because of that, because listening to some of like the the like the original New Orleans uh, albums, New Orleans album from two thousand three, where some of these songs were taken from, it is dope to see how he was able to change and put that bounce to it, and it would sound so dope. And so for me, that's why I gave it such a little rating, just because of because I just wanted to hear the album, the songs themselves, because I was so into it. But we'll go into more in depth of other stuff, but that's what I gave it. All right. So 
for me, I'm going to go with a three and a half out of five. And it's a similar reason to you, Conrad. Like, definitely, I've said before that I'm not a huge fan of interludes. And I think in this case, <laughs> I would say these are the best interludes I've I've heard in recent memory. Because yeah, I, I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was just dope how, like, the song would keep playing, but, you know, then it switched to them talking about it or, you know, putting you a little bit of the atmosphere of what it was like when they made it or were first showing them to people. So I really enjoyed hearing that background of it, but it, it just ruins the experience to me when I'm going back and hearing it again and trying to replay the album. And then also, what really conflicts me about this one is the features. They really turned me off of, these, of this. <laughs> like, I definitely understand why he chose Manny Fresh, Lil Wayne, Juvenile, like, the whole New Orleans sound and the he used to be signed with them and everything, so it all makes sense. It's perfect and all that. But to me, none of them really felt like they belonged on the songs, like no, especially really. with Little Wayne specifically. Like as much as I love Wayne, as much as I'm here for most of the stuff he does, th- that song sounded like just so perfect and beautiful to me with PJ Morton talking about being a lover and all that type of stuff. And then Wayne comes in with his normal nasty sex talk, and I'm like uh, you don't kind of ruin the vibe with the song. Yeah, nasty. Yeah, big yeah, nasty. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only thing that makes me knock it down like I love the bounce sound of it I loved uh, what PJ Morton himself did but when it wasn't him it, when it wasn't him that's when they really started to pull away from the quality to me alright yeah. All right. yeah. that makes sense though because you almost get the you almost get like the feeling that it's like oh I got you on my album I gotta keep you on the album that's how like all the features felt yeah. outside of, yeah. I mean like you know the cash money people. Yeah, and, but in but in that, I think PJ Morton was um, extremely strategic in a way of getting people to listen to him, because it's like, wow, like Lil Wayne and Juvenile and Manny Fresh may not necessarily, um, their their rap style isn't um, doesn't like mesh well with like my lyrics and how I sing. This is a way to get the Lil Wayne fans and the Juvenile fans and the D1 fans to get introduced to me. So it's like, I'm just using them on my platform to get more listeners. And so it's like, now once y'all listen to this Bounce Soul album, it's like, wait, PJ Morton, let me figure out who he is. And now he has us interested to go and listen to his Gumbo album and like, you know, his other albums about like New Orleans and all that other stuff. And so I thought that was a smart I guess marketing tactic to take songs that he already had and just throw a a, a bounce soul beat on it and throw a young uh, a cash money millionaire on there. Wait, I think that was uh, Master P. I don't know, but to throw to throw somebody from Young Money on there to to get to get himself introduced to new listeners. Yeah, yeah. When you put it that way, it definitely makes sense from that perspective. Austin, hmm. can I ask you why did you choose this over the New Orleans album? Um, because I feel, I feel like there's a, a certain level of appreciation for music that you have to have for the New Orleans album. And for that to be your first introduction to PJ Morton, I think people would have been a little bored by it and not knowing who he was. And so I feel like this Soul Boss album was an introduction to who PJ Morton is, the history of him you know, how he got started in the music industry, his influence on this, on, on music that we still listen to to this day. And, and like I said, without like, a, I guess a certain appreciation of music, a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people would have found the New Orleans album to be boring. Gotcha. 
That makes sense. All right, so Austin already mentioned um, what his top track was. What about, what about the rest of you guys? What was your favorite track off the album? Uh, yeah, remind down. So I loved how it started off with New Orleans Girl. Man, um, yeah, that was nice. That was a great just introduction to like the whole vibe of just New Orleans um, from the music and him talking about New Orleans Girls. Um, but I think my top would be pretty similar to uh, Austin's, but only one lover and don't ever leave that bonus version at the end. Um, and like listening to it, it really did. We just like Austin was saying when we we're talking about uh, with Cami about R and B singers. These are the songs like, man, you don't. These lyrics you don't listen hear them much anymore. Um, you, you know about talking about a woman and how much you want to love her and you don't you know. You don't want her to leave. It's more of like, all right, now it's more of like, all right, deuces. Like, you know, we go. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I'll find another one. Um, and it's funny listening to this album. I'm like trying to find a way to incorporate it for my wedding. <laughs> and so I was okay. like, I was like this, so I can also see how, um, but yeah, to me, that's just a lot of things I was listening to. I was like reflecting to the relationship I have now and how it relates to some of these songs and doesn't match and you know so those are why those three songs why the main three songs lover only one and believe i picked those songs because listening to them i'm thinking about my fiance and or you know where i want to see our relationship go and there's some stuff in the songs that depicted that or what i'd like to see um but that's why i picked those three all right b what about you Hey, uh, I love Only One with Stevie on the uh, harmonica. But that New Orleans girl, that just kind of set it off, right? And I appreciate the fact that he's like, look, they don't make them no better than <laughs> around here. And y'all should be thankful for Katrina. Like, yeah, the, <laughs> like this disaster that nobody talks nice about. And obviously we shouldn't because it was so awful. But the fact he's like, look, now they're displaced and they're all around you. And you don't know who you might run into. And you could only be so lucky but to run into this type of girl. And then to set it to like a a nursery round um, type, not scale, but not beat either. I don't know. The right word sample? Say, like, melody. Sample melody? a little bit. Yeah, melody. And it's like, oh, that's really true. Like, you could only hope that one of these girls is around you wherever the hell you live because you weren't fortunate enough to grow up here. And you only could hope that they are, they're near you and that they might give you the time of day. I thought that was so dope. And I thought it was dope. Like, hey, how many songs do a dude, like, literally call out his mama? Like, hey, my mama was so cool that <laughs> my daddy's still going out here 40 <laughs> years later. I thought that was dope. Like... <laughs> I loved it, and I love like listening to it. The beat is hype; it gets you hype right away. It's my favorite song. My favorite song. All right, yeah. So for me, I'm gonna be picking piggyback pretty much up what you both of you guys just said because my top two. It's hard to pick one of the two, but my top two would be the New Orleans Girl and then Only One. And similar to what you said, Brian, like the New Orleans girl, I think it was just a great way to start off the soundtrack. Like it really just put, gets you know right off the bat. This is the type of music you about to get. This dope bounce sound, high energy, 
positive lyrics mostly from for as far as you know showing just love and positivity for the women that he grew up around and i'm always the type of person that loves to put on just love hearing it even if i'm not from new orleans i just love hearing someone's being so proud of where they come from and showing love to the people they grew up with especially considering they're just talking about the appreciation they have for the women so i really enjoyed hearing him say, say those lyrics to start off the album and then with only one, that just it just uh, just a bop. That's just the best way to put it. Like that song just goes in. I can't get the lyrics out of my head. Definitely, I added it to a bunch of playlists right off the back when I first heard it. Mm-hmm. So that that one, I just know the way to say it. That's just a great song. Like that's the type of song that I love. And I'm like, this is an instant classic for me. I'm putting this one in rotation, and it ain't never gonna leave. Yeah. Doc, are you surprised every time we call out Stevie? Are you like, oh shit, that's Stevie? Right. Oh. <laughs> exactly. That's what was missing. Yeah. <laughs> like you feel like you missed it the whole song. Like, oh, this should have been here the whole time. All right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hype. Yeah, so pretty hyped. much. Yeah. And like, uh, uh, like I, so I, I've been listening. Like I said, I've been listening to PJ Morton for a while. Uh, you know, I heard some of this music in college and everything. And it's like now that I'm married. I appreciate this album a lot more because like each song is like, so like a new Orleans girl, like, yeah, that's how I feel about Dom. I ain't never going to meet another Dom. And then you go to, I'm a lover, like in marriage, like there's going to be differences. Like you aren't, you aren't going to see eye to eye, but it's like, nah, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm going like, I'm going to always like fight for us and make sure that, you know, we're good on our end. And then the only one it's just like every song, like, and and I'm sure Ron, it's the same for you. Like in in being in a committed relationship, it's like, dang, this song really speaks to like how I want my relationship to be with my girl, you know. And I just thought that exactly. it was so dope. Like you, like like y'all said, like there's not a lot of male albums that make you want to call your girl and be like, girl, I love you. Yeah, you ain't nobody above you. You know that. I was just listening to this PJ Morton, and I just want to tell you I love you. And that's what I that's what I like about the about the album. Hey, I'll just say, even if you ain't got no girl, it make you want to call a girl. And be like, hey. <laughs> yeah. I'm scrolling through the how contact list. Like, who can I eat up? Right. How, how far off are you away from this, okay? I was, <laughs> I was about to say something, but I ain't going to say it. Y'all yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> Whatever it's going to be. Uh, I saw that coming. I was waiting. I was like, oh, he was going to say something. <laughs> nah, nah. I, I ain't going to do that to, to my boy, B-Shock. Uh, that's great. All right. So, as most of y'all know, we're on that two-hour limit here. They're going to cut us off soon on this. So, as we start to get towards the end of our time limit here, y'all got any last words y'all want to put in on the album? Uh, go listen to it, man. Go go check out Bounce Soul Volume One, and don't just listen to that, but explore the rest of his work, man. PJ Morton is a dope artist, motivational, uplifting, good vibes, man. I I'm an advocate for PJ Morton. Go check him out, and if you get a chance to see him live, go see him live. Oh, also on YouTube, on YouTube, type in type in Strange Arrange. Uh, with PJ Morton so it's like there's different bands pretty much across the world that make live arrangements to whatever song they want to make and if you win this contest you get to create a song with PJ Morton so I think last year there was a group uh, their name was Be On It Productions they won and like so they made a song with PJ Morton it was so dope so just go to YouTube and type in like Stranger Range with PJ Morton and you'll see like these average bands making music 
that winning contest to be able to make a song with PJ Morton is real dope. I'll see you should that do is that. such a dope concept. You said I'll what? I said you should do that. I don't play instruments like I used to, bro. I'm whack now. Okay, Man, he be so making beats though. Still do drop some beats mm. for him. Yeah, that's the only reason I'm on here. Make him make him a bop beat. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I agree with Austin. I got an opportunity to check out more of his music, and right now I think Gumbo Unplugged Live is probably my favorite album mm. right now. Just downloaded it. I he has artists on there like Lecrae. Uh yeah, but I'm How Deep Is Your Love featuring Yeba is probably my favorite song on there. Um, but yeah, he's really dope artist and he's definitely gonna be my rotation a lot. And he's on a lot of playlists that I already um listen to on Spotify, so he's definitely gonna be in rotation. Hey, I'll just say really quick, like what I hated about the album a few weeks ago and what I appreciated about it today is the fact that it wasn't for me. Like this was made for his people and he, the the fact that an artist would have that type of courage to say, hey, I don't care if other people enjoy this. I think he even says it in one of the interviews, like this mm-hmm. is for them and I hope they appreciate it. Not everybody, I hope they appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and it made me go and listen to some of the original versions as they were. And honestly, I didn't enjoy those versions as much as I did the new one. So it got me on this whole little rabbit hole of uh, PJ Morton, and I really appreciate it. Um, and I'm think I mean, I don't know if I'm thankful that I was introduced to him through Gumbo, um, but I'm excited that I knew about him through Gumbo, and now I have like all this other stuff to go after and like learn more. Um, about his music, his artistry. I appreciate him. Yeah, uh, so the only thing I'm going to add in real quick as we get up out of here is that he's definitely going to be an artist I'm going to continue to listen to. He has a ton of projects out here. So for y'all who may not have gotten a chance to hear it yet, give it a quick listen. Like It's not even a half an hour of your time. You can probably knock it out on your lunch break on the way to work, and I guarantee you're going to enjoy at least some off of it. And after that, go ahead and just find the next one to put in the rotation. So as we get up out of here, I'm going to give everyone a chance to say their peace out. So, Brian, want to tell where they can reach you? Hey, don't add me at God Boat, 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 Tuesday, November 6th, all right? Uh, prayers to all the victims in Pittsburgh. Mm. I know we didn't talk about it. We try to keep everything light, um, but we know what's going on out there. Prayers to all those who were um, targeted for these pipe bombs and stuff like that. It's some, it's some ugly stuff happening out there. We just pray that everybody is okay and everybody everybody can like support each other and um just go vote tuesday you've heard us talk about it the last three weeks let's go do it all right also you got any links you want to drop for the people yeah man y'all can find me on instagram at austin a-u-s-t-o-n at austin j nine uh go to facebook www.facebook.com slash meals without me you'll find me and my wifey it's Dominique McMurray <laughs> uh, on there, you know, showing, showing, showing y'all the vegan lifestyle, how to prepare plant-based meals, and also follow us uh, on Instagram at Black Adventure Six. Um, yes. We have a we have a travel page. Um, we post pictures from pretty much everywhere we travel. We have, we we even fe- feature other people's uh, pictures every now and again, man. So you can find us on there. 
hit me up. Let me know what you think. Like I said earlier uh, about like the trans conversations, I'm open to have conversations. So if anybody is listening and finds me on social media, hit me up, man, so we can have an open dialogue. I love that. Yes, sir. All right, y'all, if you want to get at me, you can catch me on Twitter at Life. Make sure y'all stay tuned as we announce our album of the month in November. If you got any suggestions, feel free to keep throwing them our way. You know, we're going to keep taking suggestions from the people. If you're really passionate about it, might even bring you on to talk about it. All right, Connie, get us out of here. Find me on Twitter at DeathCoreConny, Pixie on Instagram. Definitely go check out Austin's page and his, um, his wife's page. It makes you want to travel and it also makes you want to be in love. If those two things interest you, go follow that. Um, look, it's been a rough week as far as the news as we see all this. But uh, I got two things. Remember, most of your stress comes from the way you respond, not the way life is. Adjust your attitude and all the extra stress will be gone. Just think about it. Take a second. Breathe. Then make a response. Um, things happen in life. You can't always control everything. It happens, but you have to find a way to move on at the same time. And talk, Brian talks about, you know, finding finding uh, time to be with your family or being with your family. And I saw something earlier yesterday. I retweeted. I posted on my story. It's talking about soul family. I never even thought about it in this, in this aspect, but it said soul family are those that gather around you based on energy and essence, not on blood, race, or status. They bring you unconditional love and support when you need it the most and share the same energetic vibration. For you, I am grateful, and we are one. <laughs>